I don't give where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. Quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode two of season two of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the director of scouting for TSN. We'll be all along shortly. My name is Dean Millard and the stars of tomorrow are discovered here. Uh, today we're going to take a little bit of a different uh, approach to the show. Uh, we are going to get into some individual players, but just brief looks at them, a number of them. And as we get rolling, uh, we will get more and more into some deeper individual profiles. But a few of the things we're going to talk to with Craig about today, uh, the loss of Joey Moss, um, if you were at all connected or a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, you will know how much he meant to not just that organization, but the Edmonton football team and the hockey world in general. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll share some stories about Joey. We're also going to discuss the Mitchell Miller uh, situation drafted by the Arizona Coyotes after he was convicted of um, just terrible, awful uh, things that he did to uh, a young black teenager uh, who has some development issues. It's an awful story, but it's a story we need to talk about. And it's a story that, uh, I, frankly, some people in the hockey world have actually just totally dropped the ball and absolutely failed. Not the least of it is the individual himself. We will tell you that story uh, as we roll along. Then we're going to take a look at uh, a few different players. Jesper Wallstadt, a goaltender. Uh, Owen Power and Simon Edvinson, a couple of defensemen. And then we're going to go in the uh, forward route. And Atu Raddy, Dylan Gunther, and Mason McTavish. Uh, all guys that Craig Button thinks will have a chance to go very, very high. And in some cases, challenge for the first overall pick in the 2021 draft. Whenever... That 21 draft might actually happen. Uh, so that's what we do. Usually how we break it down is a top-shelf talent player is somebody ranked inside Craig's top 40. The next wave is anybody outside of that. And in Time Machine, uh, we will take a look at a player up for this year's draft to compare him to a player from the past and also speed ahead in time and take a look at the 20. 22 draft so that's how we do it normally we'll have a twitter poll question we'll have trivia uh, we're not going to do that today we're just going to get right into the action after some news and notes but i do want to tell you that craig joins us courtesy of the uffs hotline get in the most realistic fantasy hockey platform there is by checking out at www.uffsports.com i'm sure you've played many fantasy leagues so have i you ever had a fantasy platform where you can actually scout players? 
This platform, the players going up to the 2023 draft have already been scouted and in a lot of cases listed and auctioned off by the scouts. Then they will be auctioned off to the franchises. And if you're a scout, you make some money if your player pans out. So it's a really cool fantasy hockey league. Be sure to check it out at www.uffsports.com. In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. All right, some news and notes. Darren Drager reporting that the Ontario Hockey League is looking at February as a starting date for their season, February 4th, with January 25th being training camps, uh, a possible 18 playoff. Obviously, it's going to be a shortened season. Uh, the OHL GMs are, uh, were scheduled to be meeting today. Uh, this is Wednesday, October 28th, uh, when we're recording this. So they were scheduled to meet virtually to, to possibly make some decisions. I don't know what you do with the American teams. Can you have a division that small? I think there's only three. Uh, it's, it's much different than if you have five or six. Uh, like in the Western Hockey League, or zero, like in the Q, although they have obviously had their own sort of problems. Uh, we told you about the Mitchell Miller story, and we're going to discuss that in depth, uh, but he uh, physically assaulted, and uh, the things that he made uh, a young, uh, developmentally challenged player do are absolutely disgusting, and even worse is there's been no remorse that I can see and many others. And I'll just say this right now. The Coyotes drafted him in the fourth fourth round. Rescind that pick. Let him go. I'm not saying canceling his hockey career, but let him go. Let him prove to the entire National Hockey League that he has some remorse. And then if a team feels that he's worthy of picking up, that's fine. Don't reward this kid for awful, disgusting behavior by letting him get drafted. This is a terrible, terrible decision. It's a terrible look. This kid did awful things. And you know what? I don't care that he was 14 years old. If a person shows remorse, I believe they get a second chance. In this case, I don't see it. Just my opinion. We'll discuss as we go along. And and another story I'm not crazy about, the WHL uh, looks like it's going to allow players, well, they are allowing players to join a Junior A, Junior B, or U18 programs until their season starts. I just don't like this because, um, you know, you you don't have a place to play, so you're going to go take somebody else's job. I know, um, you know, maybe when that uh, kid leaves the, that junior A team and go joins his WHL team, somebody else can come back, but I just don't like it right now. Um, I think if you're slated to play in the, uh, the, the Western Hockey League and you want to go to um, maybe a, a level playing field, like maybe you went to Europe, that's a little bit different, but dropping down a level, I'm not crazy about. Uh, but then again, uh, there's a lot of players that aren't crazy about uh, having to sit out. So I understand guys want to keep playing. Uh, I just don't like that somebody else is going to lose their job, uh, unfortunately, uh, for the time being anyway, uh, because of uh, this situation. That's a little bit of the news and notes uh, from the prospect world. When we return from this short interlude, the director of scouting, Craig Button, will join us on the show. Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. He's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. 
Craig Button. Craig, great to chat with you again as you look towards the future of the game. But I think today it's fitting to start by looking at the past and a, and a gentleman who was such a part of the fabric of sports in Edmonton, particularly with the Oilers, also with the Edmonton Football Club, and that's Joey Moss, who we unfortunately lost yesterday. And, and he was probably not just a part of the Oilers, but a part of the hockey community, wasn't he? Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, Joey, when, you, when we talk about... The, the legend of the Edmonton Oilers in the 90s. I mean, Joey was every bit a part of that. And all you had to do was just read the tributes from the players and the people that were involved at that time. But it extended far beyond just that dynasty. As you talk about the Edmonton Football Club, he was a big part of that. And, you know, the passion that Joey had for, for life and for people. He loved people. And he always was that person that wanted to try to help in whatever way possible. It could be a kind word. It could be, you know, hey, you got to be better. It could be, uh, you know, making sure that a, a player had whatever he needed to be at his very best. And, you know, w w we talk about the Oilers. We talk about the Edmonton Football Club and all the successes that they had and that Joey was significant as a part of it. But, you know, when you look at, what happened after his passing on Monday, the tributes that poured in around from around North America, the CFL member clubs, players, NHL clubs, you know, when they all said the same thing. When he came into Edmonton, Joey was there. They were fully uh, uh, aware of Joey, but, but they knew Joey and Joey knew them. And, you know, th there's so many pictures of Joey and that passion that stick in my head and you know we talk about him belting out the national anthem but it doesn't matter where you saw him there was this bright-eyed enthusiasm that was with him all the time and you know it was a it was a sad sad day to hear about his passing but one thing that will never pass is his legacy in Edmonton sports in the community and that is legendary. Indeed it was. Uh, the Walking into that locker room will not be the same. He'd nudge you with a vacuum if you were in his way and give you a wink on the way by. It was just a, a treat to get to know him. Uh, another story that uh, made a lot of uh, attention and created a lot of attention and, and you know, for, for horrible reasons. And that is uh, one that was out yesterday involving Mitchell Miller, a draft pick of the Arizona Coyotes. And this is a young man who did terrible things, was convicted of doing terrible things uh, to a young mentally challenged black teenager, Isaiah Meyer uh, Crother, and uh, Crothers rather. And um, th this got a lot of attention because uh, a lot of people are calling the Coyotes out on this. And I think rightfully so. We, we you know, if you read this story, Story and and as uh, it's a difficult read, but it should be read by everybody because we should not shy away from these hard discussions. If you read the story, there's never been an apology to the victim. So how can there be remorse, Craig? Well, it's a it, it's a great question, and and l let me backtrack a little bit in time. This is this is a story that has been known in hockey circles for years. So it's not something that just popped out of nowhere and somebody brought light to it. This is reprehensible behavior. And, you know, we hear a lot about second chances. Well, will Isaiah have a second chance? Because the scars that he uh, bears from that incident, 
you know, how long they'll last if they don't last forever or something that he's living with every day. And, and, and that is where our concern should be. And, you know, for me, when you look at the Arizona Coyotes or any other team that may have drafted him, it wasn't the time to uh, make your pronouncement about your belief in him was when you drafted him. Acknowledging that you knew the situation, that you knew over the course of time, having had discussions with Mitchell and other people that were involved, that you were satisfied that he was worthy of a second chance. It now is just, oh yeah, we knew he's remorseful. He sent a letter, not good enough. It's simply not good enough. And there's no other way to put it. And you know what? This isn't about that somebody deserves second chances. This is now about all the stakeholders that knew. And that's the University of North Dakota. That's USA Hockey. That's the Arizona Coyotes. You know, you need to step up at the forefront of this and acknowledge it, not sit in the background and you know, if the door opens to this story, then make your pronouncement because everybody knew, everybody knew, and there's simply no excuse for saying that, oh boy, you know what, we're, we're satisfied. Because there's a lot of people that aren't satisfied, including Isaiah and his parents. And now this is entirely on the plate of Mitchell Miller to try to help people understand what has he learned, how has he gotten better, and it's got to be demonstrative. It, it, it can't be one of those situations where I've looked, tell us how you've learned. Tell us what you've learned. Tell us that you know what the impact has been on Isaiah and his, and his parents and, and, and his close friends and loved ones. That's the, that's the only thing that can proceed now from here. And I'm not suggesting that the Arizona Coyotes should just, you know, uh, uh, part ways with Mitchell Miller, but they didn't handle this very well, but they're not the only ones. Yeah, and listen, um, they're they're sending a letter to every NHL team explaining your remorse, uh, to, but not sending one to the victim says you're remorseful that you got caught, not you're remorseful for what you did. And until that is happened, like I believe people can get second chances if they show they've learned from something. I use Michael Vick as an example. Michael Vick did terrible things, went, paid his uh, crime, and and showed remorse and worked to make uh, things better for what he did. If people show remorse, I feel they deserve a second chance. I just don't think I see that in this case. Well, and, and, and so that's why I say it's very clear. Mm -hmm. Mitchell Miller has to demonstrate that remorse. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's not to convince me. You better convince Isaiah and his family that you're remorseful. Because they're, right now, Isaiah is the one that matters here. Quite frankly, not Mitchell Miller. Yep. Well said. And uh, we'll be following this story as it goes and see if there is some development and uh uh, you know, something good that can come out of this and, and, and show people that this is the, the things that they did are absolutely unacceptable. Okay, Craig, let's look ahead now as we start our, uh, our, our march towards the 2021 draft, wherever that might be. We're going to just pick a few players today to highlight. And then as we go, we'll start getting into some of the uh, top shelf talent, the next wave and time machine. But I, I figured we'd start, uh, we teased him last week. We'll start with a goalie of, if that works for you, I, I, I don't mind ever talking about goalies. So, uh, Jacob Wallstead, uh, the top-ranked goaltender in this year's draft. Tell us a little bit about what you see in him. Jesper Wallstead. Just, oh, uh, Jesper Wallstead. Sure Sorry. Say, yeah, yes. Yes. Well, Jesper Wallstead is a player that's born uh, what's considered a late birthday. So that's born after September 15th of 2002. 
so in the 2002 age group, uh, he, he, he's been a, a top goaltender. He's been a, a high-performing goaltender. He is now doing that in the SHL. Uh, you know, we go back to two, a dra two drafts ago, Spencer Knight. Going into the draft, it was clear-cut he was the best goalie entering the draft. Last year, the, the previous draft, 2020, the just-completed draft, 2020, Yaroslav Iskarov, clear-cut the best goaltender in the draft. I feel exactly the same way about Jesper Wallstead. Uh, he, he's got the, the, the requisite skills and, and the comportment and the mental acuity to understand how he can take advantage of opponents and be really strong in, in defending the net. And, you know, when you, when you look at those uh, abilities and you look at how much he's grown in three years and knowing that he, he has more growth ahead of him, those types of goaltenders simply don't come along very often, Dean. And Jesper Wallstadt has all the requisite abilities, all the requisite qualities, in my view, to be a clear-cut number one goaltender in, in the NHL. As time goes on and we watch him, we'll have a better idea if that's franchise level or just 60 games a year, number one level. We'll determine that over time, but make no mistake about it. He's the number one goaltender. Well, and I know where I got Jacob from because that's his older brother who played uh, <laughs> goal as well. So he had somebody to to look up to. Does he remind you of uh, anybody in particular? And 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 do you think we'll see this guy uh, at the World Juniors this year as the number one guy? Uh, well, to answer your first question, yes, he does remind me of somebody. He reminds me of a fellow countryman, Henrik Lundqvist, you mm. know, th th that ability to read the game. And, 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 you know, it's not just about, you know, we can talk about skating and mobility and quickness and reading the game, but the comportment, he, he, he has this tremendous assuredness in his play. It, it, he forces shooters to say, I, you're, you're going to beat me. You're going to, you're going to have to beat me. Because I'm not going to beat myself, and I'm confident that what I'm doing is better than what you can do. And that's what Henrik Lundqvist demonstrated in his Hall of Fame career, even though he's not retired yet. And I think Jesper Wallstad has a similar uh, type style. He has a similar type comportment. We'll see if he has a similar type career, because uh, if you can even come close to what Henrik Lundqvist has done in his career, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame as well. Now, as yeah. for the World Junior Tournament, uh, I would say that he has an outstanding chance uh, to be on the team. But the other goaltender that is going to be available is Hugo Anafold. Mm. And he, he, he was the goaltender when Sweden won the U18 tournament in Sweden, the only time they've ever won the U18. So what I will say to you is this. The quality of goaltending for the Swedes going into the 2021 World Junior Hockey Championships is outstanding. Yeah, no kidding. Look to them. And Hugo was tournament. drafted by Tampa Bay. Hugo was drafted by Tampa Bay, just to give some uh, background on that. All right, let's move out from the goaltending position. We'll talk about a couple of blue liners, and the first is a guy who something can go first next year, and that's Owen Power. And um, I know you always say you don't scout with a tape measure, but all things being equal, size uh, could be a tipping point. This guy has it in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, he does. But but you know what the you know what the what what I would say the biggest advantage he has is that he's got a big brain. 
Mm. He's got an outstanding brain for the game. I have watched Owen for a lot of years now. And whether he was 15 or 16 or 17, you know, th there was never a situation that I saw Owen not be able to get a grasp of. That didn't mean he got it immediately, but I'll tell you what, he didn't get stumped very often on a second go around. And the poise, where the puck has to go, how to speed the game up, how to slow the game down, how to make sure that everybody in the game can can be uh, utilized to the greatest extent possible. And he does it with a commanding presence physically. He doesn't run you over, he's not going to, but there's this subtle approach with a stick here, move two, in, move two feet here, intercept the pass, make a four foot pass that frees somebody. He, he, he has it all. And I've compared him in terms of the thinking of the game and how easy he makes it look to Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger was a lot more vicious and a lot meaner, but the game was very different back when Chris was 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 entering the uh, NHL and part of the draft of 1993. It's not the same for Owen, but that ability to think the game and never never be back on your heels. Owen Power has that similar type trait that Chris Pronger demonstrated over a very very successful Hall of Fame career. Uh, Owen Power slated to go to the uh, University of Michigan. How does this year maybe impact him going forward? Or is, is he one of those guys that, you know, if you want that defenseman and you have the first overall pick, you're probably taking him. Will, will, will COVID and the season impact him at all in the, in the rankings, do you think? Well, uh, he, here's what I'll say to you, Dean. I, I, COVID's going to impact like a, a lot of things, as we've seen it, it do its damage in, in other ways. So I'm not going to talk about damage, but, you know, the background on a player, understanding what a player's potential is, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to create uh, uh, different types of challenges for, for NHL scouts. But, you know, play, he's no different than a player playing in the Western Hockey League or playing in Russia or playing in, in the Quebec League or the USHL or the NCAA. When is that opportunity to play going to come? And how much playing time are they going to have for the NHL scouts to evaluate? But I, I, I can say this really, really confidently. The qualities that Owen possesses, whether he plays or doesn't play, they're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. In fact, I mean, and that's a big part of development too because you want to keep developing those areas of your game and continue the progress forward. So that that's something that you're always looking at. But in terms of this draft class, he, he's a top-notch player and certainly a, a player that is going to be clear, clearly in the running to be the first overall pick. All right, back to Sweden now, another defenseman. And uh, Simon Edmondson is a guy who also has the size at 6'4", maybe not uh, filled out quite a bit. But, uh, you know, tell me about uh, a little bit about him and maybe how he differences uh, from a guy like Owen Power. Well, I, I would compare, so I've just compared type uh, with Owen Power to Chris Pronger. Mm -hmm. I would compare Simon Edmondson in type to Victor Hedman. Mm. Just an, an unbelievable skater, like unbelievable skater. The ability to, to close on you defensively, to, to beat pressure, to quickly get to an opening where you can get on the attack, to jump into the attack, to beat defenders with agility and quickness. It's not just straight out speed. And I, I don't care if you're five foot ten or you're six foot five. 
if you're going to defend, you need to have leverage. And, you know, we talk about bigger players that, you know, okay, they're big, but if they don't, if they're not able to leverage positioning where opponents can't get underneath them and they can push them out of their space and not be pushed out of theirs. That's an incredibly important thing. It's the same thing with smaller defensemen. You have to have that leverage. What what allowed Scott Niedermeyer, Brian Leach, and Chris Chelios, six foot under defensemen to be so good, Sergei Zuboff, was the leverage they had. And you need that. Simon Edvinson has that leverage. When you watch him play, you know, he, he can defend and he, he gets he gets you he gets opponents into spots where you're just stopped. You know, like you think you're going somewhere, he closes you with your speed, and then if you want to get try to get on him physically and try to use some physical power on him, you got no luck. And that's exactly how Hedman plays. You got no luck. And their brains are magnificent, and skating is magnificent. And he's another player, you know, that is going to be drafted very, very early. And he's a candidate to be first overall. Okay, so where do you think he he's going to play this year? Is he? Do you think you'll see some time in the uh, Swedish uh, the the elite league, the top level? I mean, if, if he's going to play a game or two or three, I mean, I don't know. He he's not ready for that. Okay, he, he yeah. needs to play in the J twenty and play and play a lot. I'm not even so sure he'll be on the world junior team. So mm, okay, he's, a, he's well, he's a 17 year old kid. Right. So you know what? It's it, it's not a tournament for 17 year old players. Does that mean he can't play? We saw Philip Broberg play in the tournament as a 17 year old. Sure. Simon certainly could, but he's going to have to show that he can. And uh, you know, the opportunity uh, for for the Swedish players is that they are playing. And so, right. they, you know, for Thomas Montan, the head coach of Team Sweden, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to evaluate uh, Simon and others. And, you know, when you have a training camp before you come over to the World Junior Camp, you know, it's going to be another opportunity. But but he's going to have to show that he can that he can play on that team and help that team. But it doesn't take away anything from his abilities. But the SHL this time for Simon, I, I, I think, is a, is a tremendous stretch. Okay, so uh, we talked about a couple of guys who could go number one. Let's jump over the border from Sweden to Finland and talk about a guy a lot of people uh, think could go number one as well from the forward perspective, and that's Atu Ratti. Uh, and, and we've kind of talked about him a little bit in the past as we looked ahead uh, from last season to the to this uh, draft. But uh, I, I guess maybe, you know, when, when he grabs the puck, what are you thinking? What excites you about when he gets the puck? And, and where does he generate from? Does he start, like, in the neutral zone in the zone end is he more of a guy that gets it all done in the in the offensive zone what would you say think alexander barkov that's okay. what i would say wow okay so it doesn't matter where he is on the ice he's invested and it doesn't matter what the situation that, that he's playing in he understands what needs to be done to emerge successfully from it not just from an individual point of view but from a team point of view he, he's got excellent hockey sense and he's also got great, great determination and attention to detail. So he stays on a puck. He stays on a, on, on a, on a, on an opponent defending. And then you add in that he's quick and he's powerful and he's fast and he's agile. So he, he not only is able to take you off the puck defensively, you, you can't gain on him. He, and because he's, he's long and lean and, you know, he, physically he doesn't allow you to get an advantage on him. And then 
on the flip side, offensively, because of that ability to, to be quick and agile, maneuver in tight spaces and to break open uh, when there is open ice, I mean, he takes advantage in that regard as well. The other thing about, about uh, Atu is that he is not interested in playing outside the dots offensively. Everything in his mind is, I'm going to attack inside the dots. I'm going to mm. attack to the net. And because he's so quick and because he has an element of power to his game, that he's forcing defenders to defend him. He doesn't let defenders off the hook. And he's got an excellent shot. And he's also got the ability to thread the needle in tight spaces. I see him as a complete two-way centerman. Yeah, I'm using Barkoff. I know he's a fellow countryman, but that type of quality that Barkoff has demonstrated in the NHL, I think Atu Ratty has very similar potential. Well, great all-around game, and his stick-handling ability uh, in oh. tight, like you said, is out of sight, isn't it? It is. And, and, and if, you can't, if you can't make plays in tight spaces, if you can't handle the puck in tight spaces, your game's not going to translate to the NHL in, in a significant offensive way. Not even a question for me with Atu Ratty. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, the other player we're talking about uh, from uh, Finland back to uh, my neck of the woods anyway, Dylan Gunther. Oh, yeah. Rookie of the year last year in the WHL. Uh, really looking forward to watching this guy progress, and, and so are the Oil Kings as well, aren't they? Wow. I mean, you think about what he did in his in his first year in the <laughs> WHL as a 16- and 17-year-old. I mean, he, uh, here's the word I use with Dylan. He, he has sublime talent and that talent is not only physically it's mentally he, he makes the game look incredibly easy you know he, he's got this very fluid easy skating style you know he, he's got his head up his awareness is outstanding he, he he can make a pass as as well as he can move move into a position to shoot the puck and when I see a winger like that, that can do so many different things in the game to create offense and, and to be productive, and he makes everybody around him better. Like, he knows where the puck has to get to to create opportunities. And, you know, I call it progression of thought, you know, for a player. It, you know, you have to be able to go, okay, this play is going to lead to this. And how am I going to set it up to take advantage of that? That's why I call it progression of thought. A lot of players, they can do what's there immediately. But do they have the ability to, 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 to see the second play after that and the mm -hmm. third play after that? Dylan does. And, you know, like, I am convinced, Dean, like, I am convinced that over the course of the season, whenever Dylan gets playing, we're going to hear questions about, ah, like, how intense is he? Let me just tell you this. He's intense. He's competitive. Just because he makes the game look easy because of his sublime skill and his brilliant thinking, doesn't mean he's not competitive. It just comes easier to him, and right. he's competitive. I've got, like I've seen a player. He wants that puck when it matters. He wants the puck on his stick. He wants to be a difference maker. Uh, hey, listen. By the end of the day, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, Ratty, Power, uh, Edvinson, uh, Dylan Guthrie. I think they're all in the mix for first overall. And keep in mind too, we're talking about late birthdays. Wallstead's right. a late birthday. Owen Power's a late birthday. Atu Ratty's a late birthday. That's where you get high-end quality at the top of a draft. And yeah. this draft has high-end quality there. 
Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the same thing that people said when Chris Pronger was here in Edmonton, that he looked lazy when he was skating because oh. it just makes it so easy. So, uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be ready for those, uh, comments, uh, yeah. with Dylan. I'll Gunther tell you a story year. about Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger was like plus 1,271 <laughs> in, in his draft year. Okay. I remember going into Peterborough one time and, we were sitting around the scouts' room, and I was with Dennis Patterson, who was uh, mm-hmm. our chief scout in Minnesota, and a longtime scout, been with the Flyers for a long time, but just really sharp, and it was a defenseman. And I remember sitting in the scouts' room, and some of the guys, oh, that Prager, geez, uh, he, he, he doesn't get his heart rate up over uh, 40. He doesn't really compete. Oh, my God, that's going to be hard for him to play like that in the NHL. And Dennis Patterson finally couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> He said, I've watched a lot of defensemen that, that, that look like they're playing the game in a rocking chair. He goes, those are the guys you want on your team. And if you think this guy's not going to play in the NHL, he goes, you're in the wrong profession. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Okay, so from one Peterborough Pete to another as we wrap up then, good uh, segue right there. We're talking about Mason McTavish, uh, who is also, uh, he was actually born in uh, Switzerland, uh, I think. Uh, so um, he, he, played, yep, yeah, he, he, was. he played for Peterborough. Um, and then I, th- I think he was going to, to train or something like that. So I, 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 this is an interesting case because I don't know what happens with the OHL this year. This is a guy who could, I guess, go play in Europe if he wanted to. Yeah, he can. Well, I shouldn't say he can. You would think he could. I mean, I don't know what the contractual situation is. Sure, right. We've seen we've seen with the WHL, they have allowed player the teams to loan their players to junior teams and whatnot. Right? Like, listen, if 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 the CHL is is, is genuine and saying they're about development, let your players go and develop. That doesn't mean you, you they don't come back. But for Mason McTavish, right. you know what? You want to go play in Switzerland? Go and play. Get over there and play. And you know what? When, when our season starts, we have more certainty to it. We'll make plans for you to come back here, whatever your contract, whatever the contractual obligations mm-hmm. are. But that's but that that, that like you can't you 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 cannot uh, speak out of both sides of your mouth and say we're about development that not allow players to go and develop. You just can't. Right. So right. I'll leave it at that. Mason, he's an outstanding shooter. He is. He is a he is a real top notch goal scorer. He he's got that ability to to get the puck and get it off his stick not only quickly but with accuracy and velocity. And he threatens. You know he doesn't need much space to get the puck off his stick. He doesn't need much time uh, to make a really good accurate shot. And even if it doesn't go in the net. He makes it very difficult for goaltenders to get a beat on that, not only in terms of tracking it, but also in terms of controlling it because of the velocity. So there's lots of live pucks off the stick of Mason McTavish. He's big. He's strong. He knows how to really not only carve out that space, but to hold that space. He doesn't give it away. He makes it really hard for defenders, and he leans in on you. So when you got when you got terrific hands like Mason, you got a terrific understanding of where those spots are, when the opportunities are going to arise, and then you have that really deep down determination to score. That's what makes great goal scorers. Yeah, you have to have the hands and you have to have the 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 ability to understand when those op- where those opportunities are and when, but you also have to have a a real determination that you want to score 
Mason has that. He 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 may be the he very well may be the player that I am talking about at uh, as we head into the draft as the best goal scorer in in, in the twenty twenty one draft. He has that quality. He's right there. Uh, Fabian Lysel. Uh, a Swedish player who's a mm-hmm. dynamic offensive player and a dynamic shooter. He would be another player that would be in that category. But Mason McTavish very well may emerge as the best goal scorer in the 2021 draft. 29 goals last year, certainly uh, on uh, pace to uh, become a great goal scorer for sure. Craig, as always, love your thoughts and your passion and your time. We'll do it again next <laughs> week. We sure will. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. Good conversation with Craig, uh, particularly uh, his strong stance on the Miller situation uh, and some really good thoughts on uh, Joey Moss. By the way, I I can't believe I've waited this long to say it, but the Los Angeles Dodgers are World Series champions. I have not been able to say that in 32 years. I know this is a draft show, but the Dodgers winning the World Series was a significant um, milestone in my life. I became a Dodgers fan in 88 when they won their first World Series, and I've waited until last night. So to all the other Dodger fans out there, they did it. And to all the people that used to bring up Clayton Kershaw's lack of playoff experience, get bent and shut up. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, also, we're going to bring Craig, Craig's counsel throughout uh, the uh, season. <laughs> Um, we did it to wrap up uh, the show, and that's where uh, it's a story time and scouting tips, which will be really, really important for um, those in the scouting platform at uffsports.com. Give you some tips on what to watch for when you're going to look at players. If you want to hear some of those stories and some of those tips, check out season one episode, the final episode, I think it was 15, uh, that we did on uh, tracking the draft. And we'll uh, do it throughout this season, maybe once uh, at the midpoint, whenever that might be, and then maybe to wrap up the season as well. So if you have a question for Craig Button, uh, send it off to us at trackingthedraft at gmail.com, and uh, we'll start compiling a list as we go. And that's going to wrap things up for us on this program. Of course, Craig, brought to you by uh, the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform. The UFHL is in full swing. Uh, November 1st is the start of our next campaign. So a lot of things are being voted on. We just had some drafts. Get in the game where you own the game. It's the most realistic fantasy platform out there uh, built on the blockchain. You will absolutely Love it. Hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. I would love to hear from some people about this program. And what your thoughts are on it. Please hit me up at trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to join the show as an advertiser, or if you have any other thoughts, please hit me up as well, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Big thanks to Craig Button, the Director of Scouting for TSN, for joining us on the show as usual. 
And to you, the listener and the viewer. Check us out on YouTube if you're listening, and past episodes can be found at trackingthedraft.ca. Check out other podcasts as well at Podcast Alley. If you're into that, we have audio and video programs as well. Big thanks to Craig Button for joining me as usual. We'll chat next week. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here.